June Foray was my my honorary aunt. Oh my God, are you out here in LA? No, I used to live in LA. I'm in Salt Lake City. You're coming out here for Fan X pretty soon. Right. Well, like like you, you know yeah. how incredibly devoted fans are. Um, you had the privilege, like I, of being around June and probably got to see how people reacted when June would just say, hokey smoke. Um, it, or, hello, darling. It was, <laughs> and I am the same. Look what happened to you. I'm just, I'm not, you know, sweet June left the rock a couple of years ago, but I worked with her, uh, I don't know, a dozen times and I got to know her very well. Yeah. And half the fun of being around someone like that is seeing how they move through their lives with utter joy because they bring that to other people. So that's a roundabout way of my answer um, saying that um, I really do live for these uh, events, Fan X. And I tell people all the time, and I'm not the only one, we're there, you know, we, we go there and make a couple of bucks because we have to charge money to offset the cost for the promoters to bring all these people. Um, but that's not how we make our living. And I always make sure and tell people, you ain't got to buy nothing. This is about the opportunity for us both to meet each other. And to the extent that COVID has put the kibosh on that, yeah. I really miss it. I did my first one since lockdown uh, three weeks ago in Indy. Yeah. And honestly, now, if I had to do it again, I don't know if I could because things have just exploded. I'm supposed to go to Florida in three weeks. Well, Florida's like a Petri dish right now. Yeah, it's a time bomb. It really is. And, you know, I'm I'm not, uh, I'm a pretty hardy guy, but, uh, and I've been vaccinated and all that, but um, I can't put myself, my livelihood or my family yeah. in danger just because I want to go and, and hang out with a bunch of really lovely people. If, if the overarching takeaway from the from the local government is ah, we're going to ride this out then i i gotta i think discretion is the better part of valor so in that way it's been a real big uh problem however nice people like you and i'm dead serious my friend nice people like you allow all of us the opportunity to stay in touch with fans in almost real time and um that as you know from your you know, from your success is no small thing. It's a very big deal what you do Thank for, you. Uh, you, you essentially broker the the fan experience between the actor and the fan. And that is a very big deal, Tony. So thank you. Well, you know, I've done, I, I've done celebrity interviews for almost 50 years, you know. Yeah, I'm, it's crazy. Oh, I know who you are. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I felt like a shill, a movie shill, you know, because all we're talking about is people's movies and you've got five minutes and their junkets and, but I wanted to do something deeper. And so that's why I created Screen Chatter, which is exactly what you're saying is so people get to know you a little bit. And these are, you know, these interviews are very, very dear to me. Um, you and I are not that far apart. You know, um, you, I, I, I grew up in Los Angeles. You grew up in Detroit. Right. Did you grow up watching cartoons? And oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Um, obviously, I'm 65 years old. When I was a kid, we weren't able to pause television or record VHS tapes, you know, uh, but when you see the ubiquity of people like Mel and June and Paul Fries and Jay Ward, Bill Scott, Dawes Hans Butler. Conrad, yeah, Dawes Butler, all of them, you kind of go, oh, 
all right. And you see it over and over and over. And my, my uh, go-to entertainment as a kid, and because my mom and dad especially were, I mean, enter, you know, good stuff is good stuff. Yeah. Flintstones, Johnny Quest um, were primetime shows uh, when I was a kid. Um, and Looney Tunes, oh my God, you, but Bugs is 80, as you know, Tony, yeah. and it doesn't get any less entertaining. Um, so it took me, once I could learn to read and recall, I thought, oh my God, I see June Perret a lot. I see Mel, Mel Blanc, Dawes Butler, Hall Freeze a lot, Don Messick, John Stevenson, over and over again. Then I get to work with those people. Yeah. And let me tell you, my friend, you know this because you're an actor and all that. Uh, the first time, the first big show, our first show in which I was a regular was uh, a mid 80s reboot of Johnny Quest. And I got to play Haji. And of course, I was a huge fan of the show when I was a kid. And Tim Matheson was the original Johnny Quest. So I walk into Hanna-Barbera. I knew exactly who Don Messick was, you know. Uh, and I'm sitting there and he starts to roll. And Don Messick, the original Dr. Quest, who was Dr. Quest on my version, opens his mouth and says, careful, Johnny, there's a pterodactyl. Holy crap. I thought... I was going to lose my, I, I missed my cue because I, I was just transfixed by looking at Mr. Messick. And I, I said to Gordon Hunt, the director, I said, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm 30 years old, but I, I immediately have been transported back into my parents' living room in Detroit, hearing Don Messick say five words. It was mind blowing. And, and so, yeah, all of those people were uh, integral, I think, like millions of us, to entertaining us. But with me, they struck a chord that would later become my livelihood. Little did I know the extent to which June and her peers affected me. It's, it's not a small thing, man. It's almost chemical when it happens. But, but the other side of that, too, is how I feel is that they also taught us a sense of humor they taught us oh. you know chuck jones was amazing oh. and you know i knew chuck before he passed and did you i never had I, I met him but i didn't know him he always told me that that the comedy is not in the roadrunner and the, the you know the, the coyote throwing the anvil that it's in the last three rocks yeah <laughs> yeah exactly or well you know the one that sticks with most of us or certainly me and my dad would laugh every time forgive me <laughs> every time when the coyote would go off a cliff and the timing, of course, was impeccable. And all you would see at the bottom was, and it made him laugh. All of those genii um, who at one time or another worked at Termite Terrace over at Warner Brothers, um, truly, truly. Well, you look at Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg's um, uh, eponymous documentary on HBO a few years ago is just wonderful. It's like two and a half hours long. But he talks often about animation, about how directors can um, uh, should definitely direct cartoons because it literally helps them think uh, and and come up with ideas that are, uh, at least until recently, were not able to be uh, produced with live action actors.
Animaniacs is is a brilliant show. It always has been from the beginning. I mean, uh, uh, Jess Harnell, you know, huh. all those people that that add to that, yeah, are real true actors because voice acting is acting, um, and it's also singing. I mean, I think yeah. everybody that does voice acting is is a is a singer as well. Most of us, um, even the people who claim not to be very good singers, like my dear sister, Tress McNeil, who's Dot, and I don't know, Crazy Cat Lady on The Simpsons, and mm -hmm. Principal Skinner's mother, and mom on Futurama. I mean, come on. Tress McNeil, dear sweet Tress, I've known Tress for 42 years. Mm -hmm. When I met her, she was a cocktail waitress in Marina Del Rey at Charlie Brown's. And she is now the most prolific voice actress in the history of Hollywood. Um, in terms of her just body of work. And June said as much before she left. If you, if, if people Google or go to IMDB and put in Tress McNeil, M-A-C, capital N-E-I-L-L-E, -L -L -E, it's like reading the Manhattan phone book, Tony. And she's now, she doesn't mind me saying it, she just turned 70. She's working every day. She's better than she was when she was 69. Hmm. She's back on Animaniacs with dress with uh, Jess, Maurice, and me, specifically at the request of Mr. Spielberg, because he knows the power of these characters. It's not about having Liam Neeson as the brain and Russell Brand as Pinky. It's yeah. just not. Um, but Tress is the realest of deals. And, uh, and she sang a lot of great songs in Animaniacs. I'm cute, I'm mad, and Inevitably, we get done with the song and she'll go, I can't sing like you, Robbie. I, I, what are you talking about? <laughs> Just because she wasn't a proper singer. She sings beautifully. Um, and most people who do this gig have to sing at one time or another, even if it's badly. Um, because, I mean, kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. Iconic. Know. Yeah, Elmer Fudd wasn't a great singer. Mel was. Mm. But Elmer Fudd wasn't on purpose. And here he's all of a sudden singing Wagner. And I didn't even know, like a lot of kids, that uh, that, that was Ride of the Valkyries. Mm -hmm. Until I got older, my parents said, you know, that stuff we're laughing at was written 50 years before uh, Looney Tunes used it. And I said, what are you talking about? So I hear, and that turns out that, like everything else, influence, good music, good writing, good performances continue to inspire artists of the next generation. Mel's been dead for, I don't know, 25 years, maybe? 20 years? Yeah, 25 years, I think. Yeah. yeah. I got to work with him twice. Mm -hmm. and, and all of the people we've discussed today, all of them, by and large, are gone. Yeah. But my God! What a legacy of inspiration. It's just, it, it's mind-blowing. And so, yeah, I, I tell actors all the time, oh, Mr. Paulson, you know, I, I've heard you do Yakko's World, and I can't do that. I said, well, you don't need to do that. Yeah. I did it. it. You know, there will be something else for you to do. The point is, don't limit yourself by saying, oh, my God, I'm not a singer. Jump in. People come up to you all the time, probably at these fan things, and go, I can do Yakov, I can do this, and you totally. kind of go, well, yeah, how sweet, nice, but if you really want to be a voice actor, you've got to be original. Well, that's that's true. Um, 
And, and I understand that the vast majority of people who send me, uh, just like Mr. Butler, who send us um, wonderful tapes or not tapes anymore, <laughs> links or DVD, whatever, of, of them doing SpongeBob or Bart or Homer or Pinky or Raphael or whatever. Um, it is done for the same reason that uh, I still work every day because it makes my soul happy. Yeah. It just does. But you're correct. If I get one of those from someone who says, Mr. Paulson, I'm really serious about being a voice actor. Then I say, well, then with all due respect, as much as I, uh, that, uh, you know, it is flattering, hmm. but Tom Kenny is still around and doing SpongeBob. And when you come to LA, if you do, uh, before you do, you can listen to virtually any actor, any voice talent whom you enjoy or, or by whom you're inspired online. Listen to Jim Cummings, listen to Maurice LaMarche, Frank Welker, Peter Cullen, Nancy Cartwright, Tress McNeil, Tara Strong. Listen to their the breadth of their characters. And I used to call, uh, refer to my, my dear departed friend, Phil Hartman, as uh, terrifyingly inspirational. Because at the very same moment that I would sit there thinking, I, 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 can't, I can't hold Phil's coffee cup, talent-wise, it was Phil who took me aside more than once and reminded me, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to find inspiration and maybe in what I do to help you develop your gifts. And so that's what I tell people. You can do great imitations all damn day, uh, but that's not gonna get you a gig or a legacy. And the idea is that it's supposed to be a bit overwhelming. It's supposed to be competitive. It's supposed to be a high bar, not not to make you uncomfortable, to inspire you. That's it. So uh, often people have to make the decision, do I really want to jump in that pond or do I just want to create for the, for the most noble of reasons? Because it makes me happy. When you do it for money, it's a little bit of a different circumstance. Um, but I have to tell you, having been rich and poor, rich is better. Rich is a the, lot better. Right. <laughs> but... The the Jones to create. Yeah. Or did you start riffing as Yakko? Or Pinky, whatever, all day long. Has nothing to do with money. It is it is joy for its own sake. Um and I find that whether it was whether it's you or Mr. Butler or Ms. Foray, uh Don Messick, all these people, Jonathan Winters would riff for an hour after a show just to riff because mm -hmm. he had an audience wasn't getting paid any extra. We do it because we can't not do it. And uh, and it's a lovely way to move through life, for sure. This portion of Screen Chatter is presented by VP Dental. Check out our great dental plan starting at just $16 per month. You're looking at a lottery winner, and, and I, I don't even know how to, how to quantify that compliment. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that you worked hard at being a lottery winner. Oh, yeah, I did. You know? I do. And I, I, I have lived that axiom that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And by the way, I forgive me, I looked like a cross between a Q-tip and a cheetah I, pet. I think um, you look great. Thank you. But uh, yeah, I grew up in Detroit, but it was clear to me as a kid that there you reach a point where if you decide to do this gig for a living... Hmm. You got to go to New York or LA, and I like 
I like fast cars and nice weather, so I came to LA. Um, and uh, I, I have gotten, as they say, lucky, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It takes a lot of hard work to get lucky. Moreover, you have to put yourself in a position to get lucky. I could have been uber gifted, but nobody in Detroit, as much as I love my hometown, is gonna see me to give me this shot. So luck truly is when opportunity meets preparation. So when I got here, I had opportunities, I was prepared and boom, um, just like thousands of actors before me and those to come, you have to put yourself in a position and give up certain things uh, for not necessarily a guarantee, because we know there's no guarantee, but even the shot, to get the shot, or maybe a couple of shots, yeah. you have got to put yourself in the position to take advantage of them. And that's what I did. As as we wind up our conversation, and God bless you, thank you so much for this oh, time. I, my privilege. I, you know, shaking with joy. Thank um, you. You're a throat cancer survivor. That must have been a tremendous yeah, scare. Well, what's the axiom? We make plans and God laughs. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, uh, you know, Tony, you're not, you know, you're you're certainly no. not close to the end, but you're no spring chicken, neither no am I. Chicken. And uh, no one gets out of here without a couple of digs, man. No one. Um, look, when, when I was diagnosed, I had already had, by any measure, a remarkable career, mm. um, uh, a wonderful family. You know, to the extent uh, awards are important, they are for me. They don't. They didn't change my income, but I, I don't want to give them back. Mm. Glorious friendships that I will treasure till I'm no longer able to breathe, and uh, and a legacy. Even five years ago, when I was diagnosed, even if it had been the end. Uh, come on, I, I I would have left a mark. But when I was diagnosed, I, I I didn't, nor did my wife or son respond with, oh my God, it's not hair cancer. It's not toe cancer. It's throat cancer. We didn't respond with that. We responded with, okay, well, yeah. and at the, at the very moment that I, I'm sitting in the room in which I got that phone call, and in the very moment that I got that phone call, my first thought was, at this moment, I live in LA County, the largest, most populated county in the in the country. Right now, somebody's getting a, a, the same phone call about their five-year-old yeah. or about their 27-year-old wife who just gave birth to their, maybe their only child, or a young husband who just got the, the job of his life to transform their family's life, and he's got a brain tumor at, at 30. Somebody's getting that same phone call. So I reckon you can handle this. And uh, I also had the incredible gift, gifts of hundreds of children and their families, many of whom the children have, have left. Uh, I had the privilege of speaking to them uh, via many characters to just to give them a little bit of joy. And it's not just me, we all do it. But it reminded me that I had the power of joy and laughter, which is every bit as important as chemo and radiation to me. 
right inside my cabeza. And these children and parents reminded me of that. It is such an honor and a pleasure to talk with you today on Screen Chatter. You. you are just an amazing guest. People often say to me, oh my God, Rob, you know, God bless you. And I say, trust me, he has <laughs> millions of times. And, and it happens every time I do one of these interviews with someone who is so sweet as you, all I gotta do is say, hello, nurse. <laughs> and the person does what you're doing now. It's a wonderful, wonderful way to uh, to experience joy from both sides. <laughs>